Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. Travel decreased owing to people not going to see their families this Thanksgiving. Not because of COVID, but because they discovered how racist their relatives really are. Given the volatility of this past election, I would have advised not getting together with family, even if there wasn't a pandemic. To date, the Trump campaign has won only one lawsuit out of well over 30. If your kid took a test in school and he only got one question right out of over 30, then you'd want to pump a little fucker full of Ritalin. (laughs) Trump has proposed bringing back the use of firing squads. I'd be in favor if Trump refuses to leave the White House and gun nuts suddenly consider him a home intruder. (laughs) Chris Christie is one of the few big-name Trump supporters who are urging him to concede and start the transition. As big as Chris Christie is, he could be the first person ever to jump ship to actually stop it from sinking. Laura Ingram tweeted that Joe Biden will be 78 when he enters the White House, whereas Ronald Reagan was 78 when he left. True. 
But what Laura Ingram doesn't take into account is that at the time Reagan left the White House, his brain was 178. <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse's cash bond was raised by none other than actor Rick Schroeder, fitting for someone who played a New York City police officer to raise funds for someone who killed two protesters trying to stop police brutality. Rick Schroeder basically just made Andy Sipowitz look less racist. <laughs> Another of Kyle Rittenhouse's supporters is Mike Lindell, the founder of MyPillow. Coincidentally, MyPillow will be Kyle Rittenhouse's nickname in prison. <laughs> <laughs> White House advisor Stephen Miller and his wife welcome a new baby, or as it's otherwise known, their little bundle of COVIDiot. <laughs> what do you want to bet they thought karma visited them when the nurse took their baby away and they didn't see it for a while. <laughs> Ancestry.com now screens for potential health problems in addition to tracing your family history. We looked at the sample you sent us. It turns out you were distantly related to Mary Queen of Scots and you've got ball cancer. <laughs> and now on with the show. I'd like to welcome our panelists, Jeff Heisen and Abby Mello. Hello. Hi, hi, Tom. Abby, how's your two weeks been? Uh, I've been quarantining, like for real quarantining, like not seeing anyone. Uh, we're trying to see my significant other's family, including his 90 plus year old grandparents. And so I have been stuck in the house grading. Just a regular party animal you are. I know, I know. This is really the, I'm really going out strong in 2020. <laughs> Jeff, how about yourself? I find myself with a lot more free time since the election. So I've been going back and I watch some MeTV, M-E-T-V, which, which shows very old programs or show really what shows that were around when I was younger. And I find that you can't escape politics because one of the regular sponsors of MeTV is the aforementioned My Pillow Guy. <laughs> so my wife and I are sitting there just watching some old show. And all of a sudden I yell out F you at the TV because it's the my, my pillow ad. So 2020 can't be over soon enough and I can't wait to start forgetting these people. That's what's going on. Please join me in welcoming my guests for the show, Michelle Wojcikowski and Linda Landeros. Hey. Thank you. Michelle, welcome back. Thanks, it's good to be here. Anything interesting uh, strike you this week? Well, it was interesting that um, I think that Trump's lawyers once again <laughs> filed suit in Wisconsin because, you know, he's not going to just lose the state once. He's going to lose it like 370 times by the time they get finished. So that struck me. And also that people were talking about um, Joe Biden's socks. And I thought, wow, isn't that such a relief you know that's the stupid stuff we used to talk about with presidents in the past like obama they nearly had apoplexy with his tan suit and now they're talking about joe socks and i've never been so happy in the last four years than the biggest piece of news about the president on a particular time frame was a piece of clothing that and it wasn't a diaper oh did i say that out loud <sighs> That's but I have, for legal reasons, I have no knowledge that President Trump has ever or will ever wear diapers. Too late. That's going to be the teaser for this uh, episode. I think you should name the episode after that. <laughs> Michelle says... <laughs> you suck. 
Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You're from the uh, San Francisco area, is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Yes, sir. Any, anything interesting uh, striking you uh, this week that you've noticed? Okay, so I've been following like the rent trends in the Bay Area and there was like this story about how they just continue to plummet and um, I am hoping to move into San Francisco when this is all done and I get so excited every time they talk about like the rents are plummeting I'm like oh my god like a studio is like still slightly unaffordable but like not as much as it was before but um yeah the Bay Area is kind of slipping back into lockdown the the cases are going up I know in San Francisco the mayor kind of like I just saw this little snippet of her, uh, I think it was yesterday in a press conference. She was basically saying like, uh, at this rate, uh, the the ICUs are going to fill up by the end of the month. And we're already in that dark, terrible winter. And she was like kind of coming down hard on, you know, San Francisco, like to, you know, follow the guidelines, stuff like that. But I'm like, you know, San Francisco does a pretty good job, in my opinion, just from what I notice still i'm like we're still doing far better than the rest of the country i think but we're st it's still people definitely take it seriously here in the bay area i will say that i'm very glad to be here during this time well i'm from the baltimore area i still live there and our mm -hmm. dark winters start about every august that's <laughs> when that's when the orioles slide below 500 <laughs> and everybody gets their hopes up that the raven season's actually going to be good <laughs> sounds like the a's well, one of the things that struck me was, you know, everybody was making a big deal out of Biden's uh, cabinet appointments that they're, oh, they're, they're mostly women. He has an all-female communications team. It struck me as odd that that's, you know, even even news. I mean, we know we, we knew that most cabinets and most White Houses were mostly male. I mean, government's been pretty much a mostly male citadel for a while, but you know, I, I certainly don't consider, you know, myself what I do, history making. I, I try and have mostly, you know, women on my podcasts. I'm so sick of all male podcasts that I go on. It's like, I'll be invited to go on a podcast and it'll be someone, I'll be on with someone like Tim Dillon. And I'll be like, you know, no, I mean, I'd rather go on with someone who has a pussy rather than someone who is one. You know, I mean, I'm certainly not the first you know, comic to start a, a comedy podcast featuring mostly women. So I don't want to toot my own horn in that regard. Your thoughts about a mostly female uh, cabinet besides it's long past overdue? You know, I think the communications, you mentioned the communications, uh, you know, section of his appointments. Look at who's getting degrees and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I teach psychology. It's 70 to 80 percent women. Communications is the same thing. So it makes sense. It's not over-representation. It's actual representation of the people who are educated in these fields right now at, at advanced levels. What we're also seeing uh, are people who are, have a background in the fields and have government experience. Now, from what I read, that was a source of consternation on Fox News. How dare they have people who had govern government experience? <laughs> But these are people who are going, who have worked uh, in different branches of government, perhaps for uh, President-elect Biden or Vice President-elect Harris. And they, so they have experience. They, they, they're not there just because they contributed a lot of money to the campaign 
yeah. or they or they have the same last name as uh, <laughs> president elect. And they're smart. He's bringing in smart people. Remember what that was like, everyone? There are smart people who are going to understand things. And it's not going to be like a, a bunch of, let's see, almost every woman Trump has picked. Let me see. Oh, yeah, she's blonde, right? <laughs> um, not, not against any blondes, Tom, just saying. But, you know, I actually look forward to the day when that, when hiring a bunch of women doesn't make news where it's just normal and it's natural and hiring people of color doesn't make news because it's just what happens. Linda, your thoughts? The, so, you know, I think it's great. It's an all female communications team. However, that's how it should have been the whole time. Women are way better at communicating than men are. I can tell you this from the conversations I have with men on dating apps. They, you know, women, we, we're more in touch with our feelings and stuff. We, uh, we understand our emotional patterns. So that, that's just common sense. That's what it should be. So common sense shouldn't be news. I agree with that. You mentioned like, you know, this, you know, you're tired of being on all male podcasts and I, I feel you on that. However, I, um, I will, uh, be on an all male podcast if all the males are hot. But as you can imagine, all the males who are hosting podcasts, I mean, I mean, Joe Rogan's like the probably the nicest, you know, fuckable looking guy, and he is not fuckable. So, you know, the all male podcast, yeah, is it's gonna is dying. I'm not nice, hot, or fuckable. So, how you ended up on? You have women on your podcast. I listened to uh, some uh, earlier episodes. I'm like, okay, yeah, you have a variety of perspectives. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. With the novelty of the Trump administration soon to be behind us, we are now given the opportunity to witness <laughs> another novelty, cabinet appointees who actually know what the fuck they're doing. Here is Secretary of State-designate Anthony Blinken in a previous capacity, representing the government, explaining refugees on an episode of Sesame Street. May I ask you a question? Uh, hi, I'm, uh, I'm Deputy Secretary Tony Blinken from the State Department. Wow, you have a long name. I am trying to find the big on building. And it is so confusing because, well, you know, untied means not tied and unhappy means not happy. So on building must be not a building. And I have been looking and looking everywhere and I cannot, what does an on building even look like? No, no, Grover. It's not the unbuilding, it's the UN building. Uh, mm -hmm. UN stands for United Nations, a place where, where nations or countries from all over the world come together to cooperate on important issues. I know that. One of the issues we're gonna talk about is something really important, mm -hmm. refugees. Oh, Deputy Secretary Tony Blinken from the State Department. I know all about refugees. You do? Of course I do. They are the ones who wear striped shirts and blow whistles at soccer games. <laughs> and all kinds of people are refugees. And even though they come from many different places, they're just like you and me. Oh, like my friends on Sesame Street. We are all different in some ways, but in a lot of other ways, we are the same. That's right. And we all have something to learn and gain from one another, even when it doesn't seem at first like we have much in common. I know exactly what you mean. For example, I am cute and fuzzy and blue. You, on the other hand, well, um, you are cute enough, I suppose, but not very fuzzy just on the top of your head, and you are not blue at all. See, Tony Blinken's reaction 
to, to Grover is pretty much my reaction to every single conversation I've had with a Trump supporter. <laughs> and in this instance, you know, Grover isn't trying to hand Tony Blinken a Patriot Front sticker. Under the Biden administration, blue monsters matter. I kind of love how stupid funny Grover is. Like I, it's been a while since I've seen Sesame Street, but that unbuilding that really got me in the beginning. <laughs> like that, that's that's a funny joke. I would like watch, like Grover as like a commentator, like on like a CNN show or something. Like just talk to all these like people who this is their job to talk about politics and just like watch him just misunderstand everything and just bring it down to uh like a children's level i i'm for more of those types of interactions and if they got more of the muppets involved to cover like to take over some of those shows i'd be down for that throughout the trump years right-wing activists have taken to social media to talk about how they're constantly being censored by social media Here's a clip of recording artist Ricky Rebel at the in name only Million Mega March in DC. So here's what I gotta say. This is a massive rally right now. And I cannot go live on Facebook. You either? Because yeah, no, nobody can. Nobody can go live on Facebook right now. Let's talk about that. We have to do video right now, but we can't go live, so we have to post it later because they're censoring. And once they realize what video you're posting later, they'll probably try to slow that down, too. That's how they do. That's the games they play, man. This is what we're fighting right now. This is what we're fighting, the censorship, all yeah, the craziness. Yeah. And that's why we out here with Ricky Revel. That's right. Rocking the vote, man. Stopping the steal. And we're going to get it going, man. If you just look out here, it's nothing but love. And we are surrounding this city. Surrounded yo. by love. So <laughs> love much it, baby. love. Patriots that love this country. Yeah, love and it. And we know that they tried to steal this election, but we're not going to let them get away with it. Yes, sir. Ricky Revel and not black, not white American, baby. We love you. We love you. Yes, sir. Say, USA. USA. So that was Ricky Rebel claiming big tech was censoring the Stop the Steal rally in D.C. in a video that he posted to Twitter. I mean, where's his mask? I was going to say, we're surrounded by love and COVID. <laughs> it's not Internet censorship. It's the fact that, you know, they, they don't realize this, that so many people are logging on that, you know, the Wi-Fi slows down. And so they can't post anything like at that time. You know, it, it's that lack of thought that demonstrates why you don't see Ricky Rebel contributing to like PC Magazine or anything like that. Really? I thought that was an example of a really big brain trust there. That just, you know, you know where the smart ones come out. So I'm actually with him about leaving Facebook. And I think I've found where I personally am going to go. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I decided I'm actually going to leave all social media and just do the comments and recipes on cooking blogs. That's where you get real controversy, people. <laughs> Volume versus weight measurements. You've got conversion factors. How much salt is too much salt? The measuring versus cutting uh, controversy. And the all recipes matter crowd. Those are the ones that get you. <laughs> <laughs> There's no censorship in the comments section. I think you should do it. You should leave Facebook for sure. Who actually watches like 
your Facebook lives, like our Latina tias, our aunts will like walk around like our, you know, any kind of get together, like filming on Facebook live. And I asked myself like, who's watching your Facebook live? We're all here. This is pre COVID days, by the way, when we would all gather, but like who is watching? And you know, this Trump supporters, like, I know they say they have like the numbers, but I'm like, I'm telling you, that's all the Trump supporters for like a huge, you know, radius, they're all at the place. Like who's watching their Facebook lives of their Trump, you know, events. I've done a couple of Instagram lives on, on my account. And I'm pretty convinced that the only reason that people are watching them is because they have run out of porn to watch, <laughs> which by the way, good for them because that means they finished up their cardio for the day. <laughs> Instagram live feels different than Facebook live. Cause I do watch people's Instagram lives like Instagram live that's where it, that's where it's at that see that's their mistake they're not on Instagram live I mean what's the difference though between you know Instagram live and and Facebook live besides just the just the app the emojis the little hearts you know you can send love I mean but Facebook has those as well don't they or no they yeah, you can do that on Facebook live Oh, I meant it was the the poking or the the thumbs up and like or oh. the liking, right? On Facebook, like there's just too much with the hands, like between the thumbs up and the poking, like th that's that's a lot. It it feels like harassment, you know, coming from you know from my perspective as a woman. The idea that any point of view other than Donald Trump's could be recognized in this country is baffling to some Americans. Viewers of Fox, for example, being flabbergasted by the positive affirmation to opposing views is a major character trait of Fox hosts, as we can see in their reaction to the audience at a Pete Buttigieg town hall hosted by their network. Wouldn't your plan to do away with the Electoral College hurt a state like New Hampshire? Well, first of all, New Hampshire's status as an early primary state is one of the things that sees to it that there is a lot of attention paid here. And it's actually something that I think forces us candidates to get out of national media mode and actually engage people in a human way, which is helpful. But when it comes to the general election, at risk of sounding simplistic, I think the right thing to do is just to have everybody's vote count the same. Look, states don't vote, people vote. And He's extremely progressive, wants to get yes. rid of the Electoral College. Right. In New Hampshire, which would diminish their effectiveness. But uh, he also but, but but people uh, clapped loudly when he said that. Because they're all his friends. I think it's, he's related to the whole audience. <laughs> they sound like aliens. What is this will of the people concept of which you humans speak? I mean, I would watch more episodes of Fox and Friends if just them hearing views like that means that they would go into just complete short circuit mode and then stroke out right there live on television. The concept that anybody could believe something that they have been told not to believe is foreign to them. Or they, that, more importantly, that people would do something that took something potentially a, an advantage away from them for the greater good. That's what they can't believe. They, that's why they keep saying, well, wouldn't that hurt New Hampshire? Isn't that bad? You know, so the idea that people in New Hampshire would support something that ultimately gives them slightly less power for a general principle, that's what they can't understand. Right. That's, that's something that uh, goes against the, the uh, Fox uh, playbook. Good point. Plus, in, I think, seven of the last eight elections, New Hampshire voted for the Democratic candidate. So, you know, why I'm surprised they didn't pick up on that sooner.
and say, oh, yes, let's diminish New Hampshire. Let's give more power to Idaho. I love the stuff they come up with <laughs> when they said that the, the whole audience is his friends. Like, I, there should be a sketch show where we can, like, show, like, okay, so here's a sketch where we show, you know, Pete Buttigieg calling all his friends saying, like, hey, so I'm going to be doing this thing for, like, Fox News. Can you come? You down? And then, like, okay, cool. Well, I have, like, you know, 500 other people to call because I have a lot of friends. Was that and, just like, a dig at, like, how small New Hampshire is? Or, I don't know. You know, he... He sound they make him sound like he has a lot of friends, and that's a good thing. That means he's liked. Like, do, are they that unlikable? They're like, ugh, we only have two friends. Oh wait, that's and we me. booked him on a bringer show. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing: it's a Fox audience. Like, it's their audience, so they're upset at how their audience reacted. Oh my god. Well, I mean, come on. We've talked about they're not exactly rocket scientists. You know, I mean, they probably forgot by the time they went on or they would think that their audience had forgotten that they had put their own, you know, that it was that it was Fox News watchers in the audience. Hey, let's just say they're all Mayor Pete's friends. Yeah, well, that's what we'll do. Once Trump leaves office, the investigation into his financial dealings will go full speed ahead. Despite the urgency of the investigation, Curiosity of Trump's finances and his net worth are nothing new. For example, here he is tap dancing around this subject during an appearance on David Letterman's show in 1987, complete with the trolling of Trump from the band at the end. This has enough money to give everyone in the audience tonight a million dollars. Okay, we'll see what kind of mood he's in. <laughs> how much how much are you worth right now as you're sitting right here? <laughs> Zero idea, David. It depends on what's happening with the world and the market. Do you make more money from the casinos or more money in real estate development? Well, probably real estate in a sense, but real estate is a, an appreciation business, whereas the casinos are cash flow. And I don't know, I, I never really even think of it in those terms. I try doing a great job. Like, All right, now well, let's get back to the assessment of your wealth for a second. If, <laughs> if you had to liquidate, if you just decided I'm, I'm going somewhere else, I'm going to live in a trailer, and you wanted to sell off, and you wanted to sell off everything, you'd start with your real estate development, all of your real estate holdings, and whatever else you have, your casinos, so on and so forth. You sold everything. Right. How big would that check be that you put in your pocket when you headed west for the trailer? Well, I hate to disappoint, but I have zero idea, David. How come this seat is at such a low level? You know, I'm looking at him. He's got this stage rigged, folks. No, Just no, no. Uh, we get, we'll do a commercial. We'll let him think some of these over and get a screen out there. Given what we know now, it was awfully prescient of Paul Schaefer to play Trump out with his cover of the Beatles' Tax Man. <laughs> <laughs> and the reference to the stage being rigged. Yeah, yeah, we're, we heard that five billion times in the last four years. When someone with the caliber of the office of President of the United States on one's resume, the inevitable flood of speaking opportunities offers to be nominal members of corporate boards and even the occasional overseas humanitarian mission is inevitable. However, 
Unlike his predecessors, look for Trump to only get cast for projects that essentially punk him. Like this sit-down with Sasha Baron Cohen's character, Ali G. I've got some business idea that I just want to tell you about, and I'll be a fool if very quickly. What is the most popular thing in the world? Music. No. Tell me. Ice cream. Okay. Everyone has it. And what is the problem with ice cream? I have no idea. It drips. Okay. So me idea is what? Need to make a drip-proof ice cream. No. Brilliant idea, this. <laughs> All right, whatever. You ain't gonna come out with that, though. No, I, I promise you I won't. Well, me idea is to come out with just like these ice cream gloves that make the ice cream not go on your hands and make it all well sticky. And also keep your hands warm okay. when when you is eating the ice cream. Okay. Is you in or is you in? Okay, well, it sounds like a good idea and I hope you make a lot of money. Good luck, folks. It's been nice seeing you. You take care of yourself, okay? Well, is you gonna be in on that? Well, it sounds like an interesting We've got that like, P. Diddy is gonna be in it. Good. To be fair to Donald Trump, I can actually relate to him in, in one respect. His reaction to the ice cream glove is my reaction, you know, whenever I think to myself, why did I agree to be a guest on this podcast? <laughs> you kind of see the evolution of his patience with comedians between the first clip and that clip. And like at this now, he, I mean, he just doesn't go at all. <laughs> so how long do you think it's going to take for him to, I, I don't I don't think he's ever going to concede, um, but do you think he's going to leave the white house as an adult, I mean, do you think he's going to have to be dragged out? Do you, I, I think this whole thing with him going through his entire life, never having to say that he was a loser, that he lost something, is getting a little ridiculous. I think he'll probably get told he's still president just every <laughs> single time, every single time they let him out of his straitjacket. I suspect that he, uh, he goes to his uh, Shangri-La in, in Florida uh, around Christmas and doesn't come back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That way he can avoid people uh, getting ready for him to depart. He doesn't have to watch anybody packing and he doesn't have to be there for the inauguration. Well, and it's not like he's been known for doing work anyway. So it's not like people are going to say, hey, Where's Donald? How can the country survive without him? He'll probably spend these last weeks as president doing what he's been doing the last four years, which is being on Pornhub when he's not on camera. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think he's ever going to say like the actual words like I concede or anything remotely close. But like, I think, you know, it's going to happen. Like he's just going to like not be there one day, but I'm sure he's going to tell his base like, you know, for the sake of, you know, democracy, um, you know, good step this one out, but you know, we did win. And I don't put it past them to not show up to Biden's inauguration, in which case, like, I think Obama should just be there. Yeah, really. <laughs> like, he should just, Obama, so it should be that way, it can look like Obama is like passing the reins on to Biden because that's kind of what's happening here. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it'll get to the point where he'll make everybody around him call him the president of Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Melania will have left him and he'll essentially make Ivanka his first lady. Oh my God. And Florida's the, the, the place that would accept that. <laughs> On that note, that's our show.
I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, Michelle Wojcikowski, and Linda Landeros. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. But before we go, my final thought. As we approach the holiday season, let's all be considerate of one another. I especially want to address this to everybody who caters to holiday shoppers. Please make sure all your customers practice shopping very safely, maintain social distancing, and wearing a mask. And if any of your customers refuse to do that, do the only humanitarian thing possible telling their kids that the coronavirus killed Santa Claus. <laughs> Good night. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen and Abby Mello and guests Michelle Wojcikowski and Linda Landeros. Theme music by Jeroen Vandenjurk. Executive producer Tom Myers. Executive producer for IPM Nation, Matt Connerton. For more information, visit tommyers.us. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi, everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Race. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.